0: This is TDTF Pod. I'm Jonathan Ariola. Brevity. And then some. As I'm sure you've noticed, I don't have a schedule. I don't post these things in any sort of timeline manner. It all depends on what I've got. And if I can make myself remember to do it, not just to record, that too, but also to post it. And when I do, I listen to them again. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard hearing myself. I was listening to an older one about my hopes about finding a new job and knowing it didn't happen. About hopes of being able to move up economically and improve our life situation And that didn't occur. That I'm in the same job I was before. That I'm still just sitting here, dying slowly. (laughs) Or that maybe I was going to vote a certain way and, and maybe that meant something. And it didn't. I knew the realist part of myself that I was hopeful that it would, but I wouldn't even say that I was wrong because I had serious, serious doubts. I had hoped. I had hoped that the DNC would do something real, but the money's not there. Fundamentally, it's a private organization that runs on money. And that money depends on rich people. And rich people don't like people who say that they shouldn't exist, financially speaking. when both Warren and Sanders said as much, and Biden didn't. It feels like a failure. It's not really a failure until the next election, the coming November, but it still feels like one. And it feels like a failure of not getting the job though as far as I can tell I've done all I can I still have this job at least despite the quarantine because as I've said I'm basically just sitting in this car in which case I'm not really an at risk person I don't make that much human contact and if I do I tend to just roll down my window and holler at a person and then that's about it I grab my gloves and a shovel and do a little dance with dirt. That's essentially it. And I hear all of these people. And I'm not talking new stuff. I'm talking like your Facebook friends, you know? Your Extendeds. Your Extended Extendeds. Super Extendeds? Your Super Extendeds. I like that those that you don't really have any sort of real connection with beyond what's there in the internet and the shit that they're going through. Whole industry is just shot to shit. Or their job is still there, but it's dangerous. I mean, technically, it's always been dangerous. The thing is, is that I don't understand enough about epidemiology, virology, infectious vectors, Things like that, to really understand or comprehend it all. The only thing I can rely on, and not even that really, is a general sense. A general sense of worry and concern. And not from the crazy people to buy way too much fucking toilet paper, but I mean... It's weird that that's even a cliche now. Isn't it? How quickly that's turned into something that's garbage... That's the equivalent of a third grader standing in front of the class and making a toilet paper joke, and everyone goes, her, 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 that's funny, because they've just found that comedy is a thing. It's ridiculous. But it is a cliche. The shitty thing about cliches is because it's a thing of real. Of realism or of fact. It's something that everyone knows. General knowledge that's so assumed to understand or to be understood that everyone fucking gets it, all right? Bringing it up is just you being kind of an asshole. Unless you can give a decent enough twinge, a decent enough change to that meme that it makes it just ever so slightly funny for a moment. And then it's gone. And it's just clickbait chasing and shit like that. As always, I digress. My super extended's there going through some shit. And I worry for them. And maybe, at this point, the worry isn't necessarily the infection. The worry is the economic and life impact. I remember reading some statistic... ...about some city that I don't remember... Mm-hmm. ...that basically said... ...that domestic violence calls have gone up a lot. I don't know if it was 18%, but I want to say there was an 18 involved. Real great sizing sources, eh? I'm sure I'd get a first-plus grade A. That's how that works, right? The grading rubric? But I'm here, still. And a part of me, (laughs) which is an odd thing to say, a part of me wants this not to be, wants me to be able to just not have to go and be stuck and scrimp and scrounge and focus on nothing but being home, being with my family, because fundamentally I'm a family guy. It's my thing. It always feels odd saying, it's my thing. As though the statement means that you're somehow unique to liking something. Especially something so... I don't remember the word. Droll, maybe. As, I'm a family man. But that's the thing I like. And even that doesn't really get the whole spectrum and picture of it either, does it? Because being a family man is one thing, but now that the kids aren't going to school, you realize how much of your relationship you need to work on. And I think that might be a big part of it. Realizing that, you know, you educators out there, God bless you. From the imaginary God that doesn't exist, God bless you. You're amazing. And now I think I really do understand and appreciate all the things that you're doing. Educator, thank you. I also didn't realize how much shit I need to work on my own kid. That the whole concept of temporarily doing homeschool really brings home, as it were, the realization of how much things you have been neglecting. Not you, the educator. You as the parent. Me. For a while, my child did really well with the work that we had at home until they didn't and for two days they didn't and the frustration and the anger and response and trying to understand and make them do it was just so blatantly poor on my part i don't blame them they're too young and depending on what kind of modality my brain's in i tend not to blame even full-ass grown adults not their fault that they're raised in bullshit. Everything that they've known came from some sort of propaganda organization, fucking Fox News or OAN or Blaze. You realize that? There are some people at this moment that the only source of information that they've been raised in is from Breitbart. Do you realize that? fucking terrifying that is? Jesus. it changes the perspective of things. I haven't thought about that. I know that there was a period of time before Fox that people had different sources of information. And now that we think of people that have been raised by Fox sitting in front of it, their parent or whoever, it always being on... Or it was on sometimes, depending on how evangelical they were about that fucking shit. And now they're full-ass grown adults sitting in their 30s thinking the stupidest fucking things because they don't know any better. And to then take that as an example, that that's not the extreme anymore. The extreme is someone who's been listening to something like fucking Jones. Their whole life listening to Jones. As this is the reality, this is the idea. How fucking extreme that is. That radical nonsense insanity. Pulling threads randomly and smashing them together. Gay frogs as your equivalent. Of course, that's a, a lampoon of a lampoon, but still. Fuck. And then it makes me think, you know, hey, my kid having some difficulty in writing down his assignment and uh, doing a little bit of math for a first grader isn't so fucking bad. I'm not doing that terribly. I am not raising my kid to be one that has been weaned off of the blaze and then fed its solid foods of info wars. I'm not doing that. A little perspective always helps. But we're not basing this judgment, this self-deprecation about things based on basic human decency and the ability to form cohesive thought and consistency thereof. No. It's based on my standards. Because again, if nothing fucking matters the nihilist way, An absurdist way, being I can make it matter because I want it to be, this is something that I want. I want these standards in my head that I have. And you know, the funny thing is, is they may also be unrealistic. Maybe not quite to the extent of something that's been raised off of OAN, but still it's... it might be unrealistic. Because of course there's gonna be some adaptation problems. The fact that he had a couple good days is a good indication that we've done well so far, that the teachers have done well so far, that the kid himself has done well so far, his own brightness about it. And that he had some shitty days, two in a row, makes sense. And yet that little piece of myself, sometimes larger, sometimes smaller, does the, will actually, to myself that annoying habit that all things connected to the internet suffer because there's always that person, usually a guy, well, actually, it doesn't have to be, you know what, shush self, but my standards, unrealistic or not, are still there, and I still feel shitty about them, although for the moment, less so. But then I think as to why, why does that make any difference? Is this just a means by which for me to escape responsibility? Is this a way for me to run away from the fact that I have a problem with the way that I parent and how I interact with my own children or how much I do at home or not? my wonderful, amazing partner, my lovely wife. A long time ago, she wanted to be a teacher. That's what she went to college for, got her associates of science, and moved on to pursuing something near the bachelors. And before actually finalizing the dotted line and going into debt, There was another friend of ours who was in the teacher program. And all the paperwork part, she balked. She saw that and just said, no, 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 I'm not, no, no. From that moment on, she decided she wasn't going to be a teacher. Because just the idea of being there in the class and trying to orchestrate that many little yahoos to doing a central thing and, and trying to keep them in check was a lot It is a lot. But then in addition to that, you have all the paperwork attached. You people are not paid enough. You could be raised an additional $5,000 and it's not enough. Ten? Maybe. Maybe. Then again, the only example that I have is based on the amount of time that I've spent trying to get my one kid to do his math problems. And juggling the other two, making sure that they're occupied or out of the way, or not a distraction. Still. And it makes me think maybe that's why all that domestic violence increased. The sudden realization that other people also had unrealistic expectations and how things went when they were not home. And then the arguments about it. Because of course me and the missus had arguments about it. We had confrontations, discussions, disagreements, because of course you would. If you've come so accustomed to one person doing something and now you're involved, there's going to be some change. Whether it should or shouldn't isn't really up to me, but there's just the way that two people doing something changes things. And plus it's a new thing for both of us. And I realized that my wife and I, my partner, we've been together such a long time. We've had a lot of practice with how to negotiate out things, how to navigate the emotions, how to try to help each other out and be able to express our failings to each other. Generally speaking, we have an okay, healthy relationship. Generally speaking better than some, maybe not most, but then realizing that, well, maybe that's because we're this weird exception, that statistical unicorn, a rare beast indeed. And so I think of all the people that I have in my own personal social network, the physical space one and the kind of relationships that they've had and whether or not they'd be able to navigate something like that, and I start to think, yeah... a serious increase in domestic violence makes sense. Not to say that my immediate friends are pieces of shit, but only that this would be something that would be a serious level of contention that I don't know if they're going to be able to handle. Granted, some of them don't have children, maybe for that exact reason. But I do. And so we deal. All the social support networks that we've lucked into, honestly. My parents, her dad, people that we've helped shunt the kids off to in order to leave a little bit of sanity and have some solitude between the two of us so we can just sit and wallow in each other's company. Or to decompress and feel like you're still your own person. That you aren't just a dad or just a mother just a caretaker. But now we don't have access to them. And it really starts to point out that maybe our modes of trying to cope with the problems that are here aren't as adaptive as we thought. That I'm not as supportive as I should be, as I could be, And not might. No. That's me giving myself too much credit. I'm not. I'm not as supportive. As helpful. As I should be. And I can do better. And at least, in my own personality, I can admit as much. I don't lean on some form of fucked up masculinity. The man who's always right. Or some religious mumbo jumbo that really just translates into... Toxic masculinity again Because I'm always right The man of the household No, none of that I am at fault I need to adapt I need to adjust and accommodate It's strange going through town There's not as many cars it's not to the extent that people are like in some other cities where it feels that the once busy area was now naked, and vacant, exposed to see what its bones look like. It's not to that extent. Not out here. Our place is too rural. People are too backward to really take this super seriously. I wish it were any other way, but it's not. And it just so happens that we're isolated enough to socially and travel and tourism for us not really to be exposed that much, with the exception of a couple gas stations, maybe a couple grocery stores, hotels perhaps. Beyond that, we're fine. If it weren't for those things, we wouldn't have any contact with the outside world, except for those that ship the food and goods into our area, into the valley, up into the hills. It makes me feel a little bit lucky in that sense. Then again, Utah is one of those places that could do just fine without as much support as it has from the outside world. Partially, because Mormons are fucking weird and paranoid, and so they decided that having multiple means by which to support themselves is a thing that they want to have. Whether it's the storehouse of goods they have in their basement. Yeah, they're supposed to have like two years worth of food. Canned goods that they can have in store for the end times, I guess, because the end times for them involves them being stuck in a bunker. It's insanity. It's insanity. And maybe that's a very gross exaggeration to the way that, it, that the, the, the religious and the thing is supposed to be, but you know what? Fuck it. It's stupid. But maybe not. Not in the sense of the religious iconography attached to it. No, that's fucking retarded. But what I'm saying is... Ooh... I just caught myself doing something that I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Sometimes my rural background leaks into this well actually it does a lot but in the negative sense I apologize for that but all of this stuff being stupid no I mean the survivalist mode the storing of food and goods I'm sure a lot of them are simply not using them right now and instead are risking going to the store It's an odd thing, trying to be prepared for something and then not using it when something applicable applies, but that's you, Tom. And the thing is about all this isolation is besides my children and my wife, and occasionally, occasionally, my very close personal friend, I don't socialize. I don't connect with people, sometimes my parents, sometimes my father-in-law, but that's it. My world is narrow and small, and not because it is narrow and small, but because of the way that I am. Maybe that's just me making excuses for myself for lacking of reaching out. Maybe that's the case. I'm sure I've got family members that would love to see me, but I don't go. And I can't ascribe all of it to poverty, which we are in. I could call, save up the visit, request, nay, demand that they come and see me instead. and make them comfortable. No, I don't do any of that. And I don't really have conversations with them, even on the social medias. Sure, I'll post something and they'll like it, and I'll leave a small little retort about a thing. And I'll retort in kind. But that's not real connection. Well, part of, I guess, why I'm doing this still. As much as I am. Part of why maybe I reach out on Discord and try to play tabletop games, because it's the only way I can try to... Find people to have conversations with and explore thoughts and feelings. Because if you were to walk up to somebody and say, hey, want to have some existential dread together? And they'd be like, yeah, that's a rare beast. I'm sure (laughs) there's a part of us or some of the audience would say, hey, I wouldn't mind doing that. But here's the thing. If you've been here a while, (laughs) you are an unusual beast. And that's fine. It feels weird to say something like that because we don't interact. You, the audience, and I. There was some when we started, when I started this, I guess. But I don't know. I just didn't maintain it. I didn't keep the structure because I, I don't think I could. I think a big part of it was that I was dealing with depression and not treating it, sure. But even now, just the thought of trying to put that effort into it, I just can't make myself. And maybe it's not even that that I don't want to. But not for the sense of denial of you, the pleasure of (laughs) mutual conversation, and me the pleasure of your company. But I mean, it's just too much. These things. That I talk about. sometimes it seems like I relish in them, that I enjoy it. And sometimes, very, very, very rarely, but sometimes I do. I do relish in the thoughts and bouncing these things around, but by and large. By and large, I'm not sure. And with some assurity, I don't. It almost feels like something I have to do. Like I'm compelled in some way. But that's not right. It doesn't feel like that exactly. It's a habit, but it's not. It's not something that's habitual, If that's even a fucking word, but I wish it was. Because I'm so inconsistent in it. I do it. Every month, record something and post it out there. Well, maybe not post it out, but at least I record something. And eventually put it out there. But it's so inconsistent, it's not really a habit. It's a need. I need to do this. I need to put my thoughts into some order. And it might be because of my ADHD and the way that my brain is chaotic. Or it might just be that I'm, generally speaking, very disorganized. Unless I'm very specifically not being. Hence, old inventory jobs. It was very meticulous when it came to the organization of things then. And I guess I relished that. And maybe that's the thing that I enjoy. Not the expression of the ideas, but the formation of order to it. Huh. Maybe. Without knowing that there can be such a thing as truth in this, it feels more true. As a description of my emotions and my own processes. And the very thought that there's someone else out there that needs to order their own thoughts that way. And I don't get a sense of wanting to reach out to them and talk about it. Because in a way, it's not for that. It's not for that connection, and then it kind of is. It's a weird, desperate connection, a seeking, wishing, demanding, hoping, yearning to be understood, and realizing my own personal failings in my communication that it's never going to be that. I can't talk like this to my wife. Fuck, sometimes I can barely talk like this to myself. That I have to build this facade, this, this barrier between my thoughts by using a phone to record it. That's what I use, by the way. It's just my phone in my car. <sighs> to use that as a means to give enough distance for myself to do that, it's insanity, (sighs) insanity, but the quarantine extends and I stay, To be here. Go to my job. Yay. This is TDTF Pod. I'm Jonathan Ariola. Thanks for coming along for the ride, I guess. I'll talk to you soon.